This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I got a pretty bad cold this week, so excuse me if I'm a little bit more mumbly or nasally than usual. I guess it's just that time of year when stuff's going around or anything, but anyway, let's jump right in and see what's been going on. First up, Steve from HD Retrovision has just posted a detailed technical breakdown of C-Sync, and this is part two in some posts that he's been writing that really explains what Sync is and how it's formed in the context of retro gaming. And I found this to be absolutely fascinating the first time around, and this specific post focuses on how H and V are combined to form C-Sync. So the super short version, when you hear RGB, what you're actually talking about is RGBS, and the S is C-Sync, which is derived from both horizontal and vertical sync signals being combined into one. So this document is not only a great technical read, but also it kind of explains why the A-series BVMs with the BKM68X cards don't process Master System Sync properly, and also kind of gives you a good idea of why Dreamcast has some issues with Sync. So uh, thanks very much to, to Master Steve for educating all of us again. I really appreciate all these. And I really think that even these super technical breakdowns, even though these aren't going to be like a, you know, a million read article, it's still something that the people that do appreciate it really appreciate it. So thank you to Steve and anybody else that does these deep technical breakdowns. A book about the creation of NBA Jam is now available on digital copies, and hardcovers should be out uh, in a few weeks. And this is something I've been following for a while that seemed pretty interesting, because they don't just break down NBA Jam. They kind of go through the developer Midway and, and what things were like then and kind of the rise and fall of Midway. So I bought it. It's on my Kindle. I got to read it as soon as I have a, a free moment to spare. Um, but this stuff is always pretty interesting to me. I, I always love the inside looks. And the game NBA Jam is specifically a great thing to read about because that's one of the few games that hardcore sports fans could play and totally enjoy, or people that kind of hated sports could play and totally enjoy. It was just one of those really fun games that uh, even did well both in the arcade and at home. Most, most of the home ports, not all of them, but most of them. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm really looking forward to reading it, and I felt like sharing it with everybody because uh, often stuff like this turns out to be great insight as to what went on during these times and really entertaining reads. So uh, links are in the post if anybody's interested. A true digital-to-digital -digital HDMI mod was just announced for the original Xbox, and it works by tapping the digital signals before it hits the analog encoder, meaning that it stays in the digital realm the whole time, which means zero analog noise, so you really get the best one-to-one -one re uh, representation of the image. Um, this is great because 
almost the entire library is 480p. Some games support 720p, others 1080i, but don't don't use that. <laughs> um, and I think the there's only a very small amount of games that run in 480i mode. And I'm not sure how people's TVs or monitors would handle that. At the very least, they'd probably be very laggy. But for those very few 480i only games, I think a good solution is just to run one of the custom BIOSes that I'm pretty sure allows you to force 480p mode out of it. Um, I'm by no means an Xbox expert. Uh, I was heavily into the scene while it was still a mainstream console, and then I kind of been focusing more of my energy on the retro stuff from from that time on. But this is really great news for people that just want the best quality from their Xbox, um, or you know whether it's for gaming on a flat screen or streaming or whatever. Um, now this mod is still in beta form. Uh, they don't think they're going to be able to release it until sometime next year. But I will try to get uh, to purchase an early beta for testing and feedback and any step of the way. Of course, I'll share news with everybody here. And if you need a short-term solution for the Xbox, just get a really good quality uh, component video cable and get a, a component to HDMI converter from Amazon for like 20 bucks or something. They won't add any lag whatsoever as long as it's just a basic analog to digital converter. Um, and it's uh, it'll work good enough for now. I would probably stay away from those xbox hdmi cables that you might see just because in my limited experience with those the quality actually isn't nearly as good as just the 20 dollar converter box and you could still use those converter boxes for other stuff should you ever want to so just my suggestion there but i'll definitely keep everybody in the loop on the true digital to digital mod anytime there's any updates here's a pretty incredible and unexpected update the ossc is soon to get an on-screen display for anybody watching on video, I have a little GIF here that kind of shows what, at least it's like in the its current state, it might change in the future, but um, for a while, I was under the impression that an on-screen display would be impossible with the OSSC. So this is just a huge testament to how Marcus is continuing to update the project and continuing to push its limits in every possible way. And, you know, if you just bought an OSSC or if maybe you're about to pick one up, this is a pretty neat thing that you're probably happy about. But if you're like me and you were one of the early adopters of the OSSC, we've gotten enough updates in the past few years that would have absolutely justified a brand new piece of hardware. But Marcus keeps updating it so we could still use the same thing we've bought from pretty much day one up until now. So giant, giant thank you to Marcus for all of this amazing work. And, you know, there's a bunch of advantages of having an on-screen display, uh, but I guess I'll I'll go into a little more detail when the firmware is released publicly. I'll do a quick little video showing it off, and uh, I'm just really excited because if anybody remembers when the OSSC first came out, uh, we didn't even think it would ever be able to do 1080p, let alone all the other crazy stuff it's been doing. So once again, thanks very much to Marcus. Uh, and as soon as it's public, I'll probably tweet about it and then do another quick post and video, but at the moment it's still just in developer form. Uh, so if you're a dev, you could feel free to try this out, but um, for your average person should just wait till it's out on a regular update. Terra Onion has just open sourced their software for the Mega SD that allows you to show box art and year, genre, and system information all in the menu. Um, this is something that's a pretty cool feature that while, you know, the, the bare minimum is just to have your list of games, it is pretty awesome to have a little uh, thumbnail in the corner there. Now, of course, this is just as tedious and as much of a pain as making thumbnails and info for any ROM cart, so certainly not any worse or better, uh, but I just want to remind everybody that conveniently downloads those packs that have all this stuff built in. 
that somebody took the time to do this for each individual game. So while I'm sure um, I'm sure you'll have a, a nice pack hitting at some point, if you have the ability to help with stuff like this, or of course to help improve the software at all if you're a developer, please step up and do at least a little bit of it, because I think it usually ends up with just a few people doing a ton of work and then all of us benefiting from it. Of course, I'm, I'm just as guilty as everybody else of downloading these packs and enjoying all of the artwork and ROMs all in one place, but just saying, if you have the ability to help, I'm sure it would be appreciated. There's a video game console musician out there named Sam Battle. By the way, I obviously meant that term respectfully. I can't really think of any other way to describe him, but he just completed a Sega Master System synthesizer where he hooked up an SMS2 in order to a MIDI interface and was able to create music with it, which I thought was absolutely awesome. Uh, I really liked the sound of the music, probably because I'm a Sega sound chip fan, and I thought it was so impressive, all the stuff that he did. And this is the same person that just a, a little while back had a few videos, uh, a full playlist of videos on making a uh, a full synth machine out of 48 Game Boys. So if you're even slightly into stuff like this, you know, crossover between music and gaming, um, even if you just want to hear the audio, go to this post and skip to about 840 and be able to hear it. Um, obviously, I love both of these things, music and technology, so uh, I, I really was impressed by this, and I really feel like it's worth taking a look at. And also, I'd like to welcome the Girl Geek uh, as her first post as a writer here, so thank you very much for this a perfect fit for you because uh she was the one that did the sega or the the classic console audio breakdown a few weeks back or maybe a few months back now i don't know it's all a blur to me but definitely check this out if you're even slightly interested in game style music I was just able to borrow a set of Carby component cables from Insurrection Industries, and they're a $90 set of component video cables based off of GC Video for the GameCube. So the short, short version is they perform just as well as every other GC Video solution but are direct component, which is great if you don't already own the original component cables. Um, or I guess if you do own the cables but you'd like to put them aside and keep them as a collector's item rather than to use them, that makes sense depending on your situation but uh, overall they seem to perform well they use the same really high quality connector that all uh, that insurrection uses in all their products um, some only some things to note uh, that may or may not make a difference to you but they come with bnc cables instead of rca presumably because it's easier to find high quality shielded bnc cabling than uh, rca which is fine if you're going direct into a pvm or into something like an extron crosspoint but they also ship uh, high-quality converters with it as well if you just want to plug them into anything RCA-based. I didn't do too much testing with it. Um, you know, it does put some extra weight on the end of the connector, but I don't think it's too much to cause damage in a TV's connectors or anything like that. Um, it certainly felt fine in mine. I didn't really see any any weight or leverage difference in it. Um, and other than that, it doesn't have any audio output because this is just like the original component cables, only video. So you'll have to just keep your any original uh, composite video SNES style cable in order to get audio out of them. And uh, overall, they seem to work fine. I guess the only issue was uh, certain people using them with an OSSC and the Game Boy interface software ran into an issue. So Extrems was able to post a fix for that for anybody using it in that exact environment. And, um, you know, overall, they just seem to me like a perfectly good solution that's much cheaper than the official cables. 
And I didn't really want to dig into doing a comparison because I felt like if I'm going to do any kind of uh, GameCube comparison video, I'm going to have to dig in deep, especially because I screwed up the Wii comparison video so badly with compression and capture settings and everything. So I, I would want to go hard on something like this. Um, but at the end of the day, too, it's still GC video. So I'd really want to do a full video, you know, Wii, GameCube, all the different solutions. And I, I really won't have time for that for months. That's a that's probably that would might be the biggest video I've ever done. So I'd probably enlist help for that. And Certainly enlist help from the video capture experts to make sure I don't make any other mistakes. Um, only other thing to note is it uh, has the same style programming holes on it, the vias, so that if you have your own programmer, you could flash this with the latest version of any of the GC video firmware. But it's kind of one of those do this at your own risk and you got to buy your own programmer type of thing. They certainly didn't include like a, a USB interface. And, it, and rightfully so. I mean, they work fine as is and including that would just jack the price up. Uh, but that is good to know in case there's ever some kind of really awesome GC video update that adds something that we'd all want. You should be able to get it through this using a programmer. So um, I'll keep everybody updated on all this stuff, but my only you know, basic conclusion on the Carby component cables is if you just need component video and, anything, and nothing else and you don't already own the originals, these seem like a perfectly good solution. And uh, you know, feel free buying them knowing that you're going to have a good experience. There's now a kit for the Commodore 64 that allows you to switch between PAL and NTSC modes. At the moment, it's only compatible with the breadbin-style Commodore 64s, but they hope to eventually get this working with all of them. And the only downside is you'll need to acquire both a PAL and an NTSC Commodore 64 in order to have both chips on it. So that's a bit of a bummer because you end up cannibalizing one, which, you know, if you find one beat up with a broken case and a beat up motherboard anyway, then, it's, you know, it's, now you're making good use of that. But still, I usually like to see things like this recreated in FPGA and all that so that you don't have to worry about this stuff. But it's a great device for the people that need it. Um, the kit also comes with another add-on called the LumaFix 64, which is basically a chip to eliminate as much of the jail bars as possible in the signal's output. So uh, it seems like a pretty neat thing for Commodore 64 fans. Uh, all of the full details, as well as a link to the kit itself, are available in the post. Uh, so if you're interested in having a dual PAL NTSC Commodore 64, definitely check this one out. Mike Chi has just announced that the RetroTINK Ultimate is about to go end of life, and I want to make sure that I'm very clear about what that means and what is going on with that. So first and most importantly, this is not the RetroTINK 2X. This is the Raspberry Pi hat. So the, the 2X scaler is still you know, going to be available for the foreseeable future, and don't worry, that thing's still kicking ass out there. Uh, but this is specifically the Raspberry Pi hat that allows you to get VGA, RGB, component video, S-video, and composite out of a Raspberry Pi. And I didn't just use this for gaming. I, I used this to stream videos to a, a CRT TV, um, used it for dual output, and there was really just a bunch of cool features of this thing. But it wasn't a very big seller. It was a bit expensive to manufacture. Um, anybody that's tried to manufacture stuff like this can just look at the picture and already pick out where a lot of the cost is. Um, and on top of all of that, there's been a new way to manipulate the HDMI output of Raspberry Pis in order to get 240p, meaning you just need a cheap converter. So if you want, uh, let's say, component video out, you could just use the Pi itself, 
plug HDMI into a basic HDMI to component converter. Uh, I have ones linked in the post that I've tested and don't add any lag. And then poof, there's your 240p component video output. So it makes sense that he's end of lifing them. Um, he still has a bunch left for anybody that specifically needed one of these. Uh, so now's the time to pick one up if you are debating whether to get it. Uh, but it is kind of, uh, you know, I, I have mixed feelings. I wish these things would be, I selfishly wish stuff like this would be available forever. But I do understand that you can't keep stock of stuff that's not going to sell as quickly as it used to. So um, anybody that wants one, pick it up. And anybody looking for an RGB version of this thing, um, you could use the method of doing an HDMI to VGA box and then making your own uh, VGA to SCART cable with a sync combiner circuit or of course using like an Xtron RGB interface or something. However, I my personal opinion has always been that if you're just going directly to SCART, the RGB Pi is an awesome solution and one that I've talked about since it uh, it was in beta form. And in fact, up until today, I've always said my two favorite solutions for Raspberry Pis are the RetroTINK Ultimate and the RGB Pi. So at least there's still a great solution out there you're able to purchase. I actually also loved the RGB Pi software. I would use that with all of my solutions anyway. Um, so, you know, there's still great choices for people. Uh, you should have everything covered. And if you just want you know, if you want all of the features of the RetroTINK Ultimate, make sure to grab one now before they sell out. Well, that's it for this week. Hopefully the podcast came out all right and this all makes sense. Uh, I'm still a little loopy from, from having a cold. I'm pretty sure I got it from the subway the other day. Just a little aside, if you ever want to know what it's like to live in The Walking Dead, wait till it's really, really rainy out and jump on the subway in New York. You'd be shocked at some of the stuff you saw. So uh, hopefully I'll heal up quick and I'll not be so nasally by next week. And uh, also thanks very much to Greg Collins for this awesome shirt. Always love a good laser bear shirt. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. So thank you so much to everybody that listens, uh, everybody that uh, participates in the comments, and of course, everybody that supports on Patreon and Subscribestar. Thanks again, and I'll see you soon.